Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Talisa Ria, uh, Assistant GM of the Seattle Storm, and excited to talk to her about uh, her, not only her path, but also uh, the exciting uh, championship season last year and what lessons learned you can take from it, build upon it, um, and we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of culture, et cetera. So, uh, Talisa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Excited. Absolutely. We got to talk about kind of where you started and, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get into the WNBA or work in that space, one might look at where you are and go, well, how did, how did she get there? Um, and everyone's got a little bit of a different story, right? But I think, um, you know, would love to just get some insights as to uh, what made your path unique uh, and ultimately uh, what is being an assistant GM for a WNBA, WNBA team look like? Yeah. Um, you know, I was a, a collegiate basketball player, uh, played all the way through and then actually played one year professionally over in Poland and then kind of went through the whole transition of um, not going to be an athlete forever. You know, what is what's the next phase look like? Um, I decided to get my master's. Um, it was actually in recreation sport tourism, but with a sports management focus um, from the University of Illinois. And in between that, um, I returned to Seattle and actually did an internship with the storm. So that was kind of my first um, like real life experience outside of, you know, playing basketball and um, things kind of just aligned. Honestly, I was planning on going back to Illinois to finish. I had one more semester there. Um, and I was just kind of in the right place at the right time. The guy who I did the internship with, who was the, the manager of basketball ops actually left uh, for a job with the Blazers. And so I was offered the position. So I ended up finishing up my master's online so that I could stay in Seattle and accept that role. Um, and that was about six years ago. So, um, started as the manager of basketball operations had just kind of slowly, you know, gained more experience and um, have really grown my position. I'm very thankful to be with the storm and an organization that has empowered me to do that. Um, but just have kind of continued to progress over the years. And um, this past year was, um, you know, obviously a little bit of a different role for me and each year kind of develops, but really um, thankful and um, enjoying my current role, um, as the assistant GM with the storm. What's, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned along the way throughout your years at the storm? There's been a lot of, a lot of lessons along the way. Um, I think from a, a personal level and just, you know, becoming like a young growing professional, it's just kind of been to, you know, take risks and know that that's okay and kind of push the boundaries a little bit. Um, I've been able to get involved in a lot more than initially like my job scope allowed for. And that's kind of been just putting myself out there and in those conversations and trying to um, just gain as much opportunity and understanding of how the entire organization is functioning. Um, so I think that's one thing you know, like six years ago, I wouldn't have maybe been comfortable with, but just kind of having that confidence and feeling like you're working with really great people around you that are putting you in that position. Um, and then, you know, just kind of taking a couple of chances and um, not everything has been, you know, completely successful, but have learned from everything along the way. 
some of those risks are certainly a little bit calculated, right? It's not just a, you know, let's see where this goes and completely wing it, right? There's a little bit, of, a little bit of thought and strategy to it. But to your point, it's stretching yourself, right? It's putting yourself in those uncomfortable, uh, you know, conversations or un uncomfortable positions to where you're able to grow. And so, as you think about the the player side of the business. Um, how much have you learned of the business side of the player side of the business? I mean, everything. I, I really had, you know, no idea how, um, how everything worked when I started. And I was able to experience a little bit of that through my internship. But when you're not in there on the day to day with those conversations and you're not um, doing all of the work leading up to the season to know how the planning, you know, happens and scheduling and, and all of those different aspects. Um, I've learned a ton on the go. Um, and it's just been a matter of um, being adaptable, feeling like you have a plan. And if the plan doesn't um, get what you need, then being able to pivot and come up with a new plan. Um, and I think that's been been huge for me. But with the players and everything that goes into that, I think there was so much to learn, but I think what I've enjoyed the most is just being able to develop those relationships organically and, and now really have great relationships with our players um, that, you know, to position them to be successful in basketball and also the things that we're doing with them through the organization. Yeah. When you think about the overall job scope, right, your, your job ultimately is to make the person above you successful and then also the people on the court successful and and then you more or less you figure out how to make that happen one way or another um what's the biggest challenge though in in terms of the current scope uh even this past season dealing with the bubble and everything of that sort and, and what that brought the yeah the bubble in itself was a massive challenge um i think that could be a, a whole nother podcast episode um I think it's it's balancing all different sides. And I think once you're able to experience what the basketball side looks like and also what the business side looks like, it's um, finding a way to leverage both of those. Uh, and we've been you know, very fortunate to be as successful in Seattle as we have. So we have a great product on the court that helps the business and vice versa. We have a great business that helps put our players in position to be successful. So I feel very lucky to experience both of those things and sort of help bridge the gap between the two sides. Um, the biggest challenge I think is just taking all different stakeholders into account and making a decision that's going to um, have the best interest of the organization, the players, the fans, you know, the ownership group, the business as a whole, um, and really making decisions based on a lot of different factors. Yeah, you mentioned kind of bridging the gap between the player side and the business side. And sometimes that is an organization's biggest struggle because they are separate, but they inherently impact each other just as much. And, you know, when you think about now how players are growing their own personalities and their own brands, and, and not that that's anything new, but it's just more and more a part of the business, um, you know, understanding how that affects their sleep, how it affects their performance, how it affects the chemistry from a team perspective. There's a lot of other variables that are in play that maybe weren't before because of the heightened, you know, social media and, and just everything else that goes on with, with the sport as a whole. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as an organization, we've always prioritized our players and making sure that they feel like they're, you know, they have the best care that we can provide. Um, they have the best in terms of just a team and the logistics that we're providing and we're making it as seamless and, um, you know, comforting as possible so that they are able to just come to Seattle and, and play basketball and focus on the things that are important to them. So I think, um, you know, we try to really take care of all of those other things. Um, and, you know, same thing with the coaching staff and, and our GM and all of, we want them to be able to focus on their job and not have to worry about the little things that we're able to help control. So I think, you know, we always try to keep the players at the forefront of the decisions that we're making and where we're investing our money for sure. When you think about the season that you just had in 2020 and, and what you were able to accomplish, how do you, how do you capture that momentum and utilize it and harness it on both the player side and the business side, knowing that, you know, you can be as good as you want to be every single year, but sometimes it just doesn't shake out like it did last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think as a league, there's a ton of momentum around the WNBA right now as the players individually and collectively as a group, there's great momentum um, with, you know, them kind of finding their, their voice and their platform and collectively doing that. Um, there's a lot of power in that as well. And I think for our organization, obviously coming off a championship, there's always a lot of momentum carrying you into the next year. And so it's um, it's an exciting time for sure. It also brings a lot of um, challenges. And, you know, as we went into the free agency period and now as we go into the draft and then building our roster and setting our roster into the next year, um, I think we try to use um, that momentum in different ways from a business end, obviously selling tickets, hopefully at some point in, in 2021, but um, from a sponsorship end, you know, leveraging the championship, leveraging the previous year. Um, and then from a basketball end, you know, we're, we did everything we could to bring our core back and have that group, you know, be able to compete for another championship is always the goal. And so um, it's just kind of using that momentum. And really for us, it's momentum that has you know, been building over the past few years as well. Um, fortunate enough to get another championship last year, but um, just kind of using what we've established and built here to carry us into the next year. Yeah, you mentioned that goal being to get another championship. That's always the hardest thing, right? To go back to back and certainly brings challenges you probably don't even know that are coming. And, and there's certainly ones that you you know, are probably expecting, right? Like obviously having a target on your back and that sort of thing. Um, but as you look towards the future, how do you also keep in mind that, you know, you could get off to a slow start and then rally towards, you know, the end of the season, right? Like it's, it's this long marathon and not, Hey, we got to get out of the gates really fast. You obviously hope that, but. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you hope you win, every game along the way for sure. But I think it's um, keeping the big picture in mind and understanding, you know, the ups and downs of a season and that that might come and you might have, you know, different points of the year that are, are challenging, but trusting 
um, what we've built, trusting the culture that we have and trusting the basketball foundation that we have um, to allow us that time to, you know, really integrate everyone and get everyone on the same page and, you know, try to peak at the right time, which would be, you know, towards the end of the season. So I think just keeping that end goal in mind and that, you know, it might take some little steps along the way. And some of those steps may be harder to achieve than others. But um, knowing that playing well in September and October is kind of the end goal with our league. Yeah, absolutely. Is there something, you know, you mentioned culture, right? And that's obviously a big part of any organization, but especially the team on the court. Is there something that, you know, maybe was learned differently through that bubble experience from a culture perspective that you can kind of foster and try and um, you know, build upon going forward? I think the bubble was really unique in the environment that, you know, we were all in. Um, typically in a year, you know, you have, you have outlets, you have your family that you're able to go to, you have, um, you know, restaurants or, you know, other events that you're able to go to, to kind of get away from, you know, basketball for a night or um, your team or, you know, just kind of all of those outlets that, all of the players and, and staff included were so used to having and the bubble, um, you know, some players were living together, some staff were living together. So it was a really unique experience in team building and, you know, gelling as a team because we were um, with each other for 93 days straight. And I think, you know, with that was an opportunity to build those relationships even stronger and to, really establish the culture in a different way. Um, and I think the foundation that we have built over the, the previous years um, really came to life in that in the bubble season um, because we have such great people on our roster and our staffs and um, you know we were really able to take advantage of that time instead of it causing any issues. So I think, going into the next year, you know, we're able to build off, um, you know, that closeness within our team um, and the opportunities that our staff had to be together all the time. So I think it, it strengthened a lot of the culture that we had already um, been working to establish and, and continue to try to keep as strong as it is. Yeah, as you think about, you know, Obviously, playing in, in front of no fans is a little bit of a different mindset, um, an experience for sure. I, I would have to imagine being in the bubble at some point you were you were kind of just numb to it. Right. It just was the same thing over and over again. But, you know, coming back to a hopeful uh, season of some sort of fans, maybe at some point and understanding that that environment's going to change a little bit. How do you have to train differently in order to, you know, understand how the environment might impact you? Yeah, I think um, from the player's perspective, I know they get a ton of energy from a home crowd and there's a reason, you know, that there's a home court advantage. And I think that's really real. Um, and we saw in the bubble what happens when there's no, you know, aspect of that. And even as an away opponent, there's still energy that fans provide, um, you know, and that you can feed off and kind of with the ups and the downs of the game, you kind of know, you know, where things are at. So I think the players are really excited to get back into an arena with fans um, just for that, 
that added piece of energy and momentum and all of those things that, um, you know, can be really exciting. And that's like what makes sports so fun is, you know, that environment and being able to play in front of those, those crowds and have those big games where it's sold out and all of that is so exciting. So I think everyone is looking forward to returning to that once it's obviously safe and, and we can do so. Absolutely. So uh, as we wrap up the episode, I, I, it, it's always interesting to understand kind of, you know, mentors, coaches, um, different people of influence in your life. And, you know, being a player, sometimes you love your coach, sometimes you hated your coach. And um, depending on, you know, if you had multiple coaches as well. So what was your experience like as a student athlete? And how does that kind of shape the way you've gone about things um, now with the storm? Yeah, I, um, you know, I definitely loved being a student athlete. I think that was an amazing experience. Um, I was at Oregon State for three years. I actually transferred to Seattle U for my, my final year. So I had a really unique experience in that I was able to experience a Pac-12 school facilities, resources, program, all of that. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, at the time, Seattle U was an independent school. So we weren't in a conference. Um, you know, they had recently transferred back to division one. So it was kind of a, a totally different experience, but um, sort of brought me back to like the love of the game and just enjoying playing and, and being a student athlete. Um, so I feel fortunate to have experienced two different um, opportunities and have have gained a lot through that, still in touch with a lot of my coaches who are still involved in um, coaching and so have learned just a lot about the sport from them. And then also through my master's learned a lot really about what opportunities actually exist in sports besides what we see when we just look at a team and we see the coaches and we see the trainers and we see all of those positions, but um, understanding a little bit more about the world that is sports and entertainment and the business side of that um, and how many opportunities exist out there, that was sort of a new experience for me. Um, and then I feel very fortunate since I've joined the storm and our CEO and, and GM, um, Alicia Valvanis has really like just supported me along the way and empowered me to grow um, and has been, you know, someone that I feel very lucky to be learning from um, with a lot of what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, the mentors and the coaches are, are crucially important in your growth as you go along you know, when you think about the opportunities that do exist in the WNBA and, and other um, women's professional sports leagues, what would be your one insight or one piece of advice for those that are listening of, you know, hey, I want to go and be an intern for the Seattle Storm, or I want to go and try and get my foot in the door here so I can eventually work in an organization like that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, because we are a smaller league, those um, opportunities can be a little bit more limited. But I, I think that just the biggest thing to keep in mind is you never know what an opportunity is going to lead to. And I think um, through my career, I feel like I've learned a lot about what positions even exist. And that has kind of shifted, you know, my interests and, and having exposure to different positions has really like taught me a lot about the direction of my career and what I wanted. So I think the biggest thing is just 
to take advantage of any opportunity that is provided, even if you feel like it's not the perfect fit or you thought you would go into marketing instead of sponsorship or something like that, but really just taking an opportunity and running with it um, and doing the best job that you can because it's going to help you grow your network and it's, it's probably going to lead to something else down the road. So I think um, you know, reaching out to organizations that you're interested in, asking questions, having informational interviews are always a great idea. Um, and then, you know, just really, really taking advantage of opportunities and working as hard as you can to, to grow your network, learn different areas of the business, um, and just, you know, it's kind of take the, the path that, that comes your way and not be so narrow-minded maybe in, in the opportunities that you invest in. Yeah, I loved your risk-taking mindset we kind of talked about at the beginning, right? Because not everyone has that mindset. There's mm -hmm. a, a comfortability and confidence factor that has to come along with that risk-taking component. Um, how, do you, how do you learn that or how do you know if you have it? <laughs> um. I think, you know, being a student athlete probably taught me a lot of that. Um, just that kind of work ethic and knowing that sometimes you just got to go for it and you got to try and, you know, you might not always succeed, but you know that you're getting better along the way and, and having those end goals. So I think, um, you know, you can gain confidence from your preparation, from the information that you have. Um, and, and that can kind of power you forward, you know, in taking some of those risks. I always feel like if I've done my research, if I have as much information as I can gather, I'm able to make a decision that I feel confident about. And sometimes that might be a little bit of a more risky, you know, decision. Um, but there's also a lot of rewards in, in that journey as well. You always make the decision the right decision, right? Yeah, so that's right. At the end of the day, it's always the right decision. You just got to make it the right decision. Yeah. Um, let's wrap it up with rapid fire. Got to gotta love this session. We'll see, we'll see what you got. Um, as you think about, you know, your basketball career and the positions that you played, what was one position that you didn't play that you wish you could have? Maybe you were taller, maybe you're faster, whatever the case might be. Yeah, probably a little bit more point guard. Like I feel like I kind of had the mentality for it, but I wasn't necessarily quick enough or, you know, shifty enough to, to play that spot. What was, what was the go-to shot? Was it, was it the, the three-pointer, the jumper? What would you? Yeah, I was pretty consistent catch and shoot three-pointer. That's all. Long <laughs> that night. My job. <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry like in a sense yeah not quite but yeah I would love to have been on his level um <laughs> uh, what was your what was your favorite part about being in Corvallis honestly my teammates it was such a fun college town and I really had a great time with our team it was like my family away from family and just really a really great group of people that made college a really fun experience best part about Seattle um, I mean, I would say the same thing as well, basketball, but besides that, I love being in the Northwest. It's a beautiful city. I love, um, the kind of mix of city life, but also nature as well in the Pacific Northwest up there. If someone's traveling to Seattle, traveling quote unquote, uh, whenever that happens again, but 
traveling there, what do they have to do? Like you, you can't, you can't go and leave until you've done X. It's kind of a cliche answer, but you have to see the market if you haven't. So I would say Pike's Place Market is always a must see if it's your first time going to Seattle. Favorite opposing arena? Um, that's a good question. It was the Garden, but now they've moved to Brooklyn, um, which we did actually get to play there a couple of years ago. So I would probably go with Barclays for, for right. my answer. All right. Uh, favorite part of the bubble? That's a tough one. I don't know. You might have to give me a little bit more time on that. Um, I think, you know, just the opportunity to be around our players for that long, honestly, was really enjoyable um, and an experience that our players and our staff, it was just so unique. And I will remember that forever. I thought I was giving you a layup, no pun intended. I mean, you got, you won after all, like. <laughs> the championship was a very nice bow at the end of a really long 93 days for sure. But um, the journey was also very memorable. Absolutely, always about the journey. Well, Talisa, really appreciate your time, your thoughts, perspectives on the podcast. Uh, absolutely, we'll have you on again in the future. Um, appreciate the time. Awesome, thanks so much, appreciate it.